how empowering is it when you admit that I'm actually right? I don't know if I ever actually admit that you're right. I was going to say, I don't know what that's, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Even if you really are, yeah, I'm I like, would, yeah, whatever. I wouldn't know what that's like. Hey, what's up? I never know how to answer that question. The sky. Oh my gosh. I'm just kidding. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah. Yeah. The the older three boys are with grandma and grandpa this morning. And so I just had the twins and the baby. Yeah. So it was really easy. Yeah. It wasn't like my hellish morning yesterday. (laughs) Yesterday was the first morning that everybody was home because the boys just, uh, I think Wednesday was their last day. So yesterday was Thursday. Uh, Wednesday was their last day of school. So yesterday, Thursday, they were all home and it's usually difficult to get them up out of bed in the morning Yeah, and get them going and stuff like that. It's we, we go in there about 6.30 and we try to nudge them awake. And maybe by 7, they've finally gotten out of bed and are, are starting to get dressed. But this is after we've, you know, coaxed Constantly, and Constantly, yeah. And so you're thinking, and I'm, I work in the morning, so I don't even have to worry about this. But yeah. you're thinking, okay, I bet the boys will sleep till 7, you know, at the... At the very at the, least. Or, right. Yeah. Maybe even 7.30. And what time are they awake? They, I heard footsteps at about six. I got up at five because I wanted to have a little bit of time to write before they all came in. But they, I heard footsteps at about six and I tried to ignore them for about half an hour. And then after the footsteps, it got really quiet and I knew that that Mm. wasn't a good sign. So yeah, I headed on down and one was in a Spider-Man costume and the other was in a star screen costume and they're coloring on, you know, computer paper drawing which was fine. It was great. I just didn't want them to be up so early. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, I don't know. There's stuff that you want to do, not just your writing, but there's stuff that you want to do. Like you want to get breakfast ready and you kind of, you want to at least get downstairs ahead of them and feel like you've got control of the space. Yeah. And it's almost like if they get out there first, they have control of the space. Yeah. So it's like, oh, we got here first, mama. We have control of the space now. I'm yeah. sorry. And and all of them are extremely hungry in the morning. So mm-hmm. when they're awake first and I don't have breakfast ready already, it's I'm like, a well, let's crazy. go, let's go raid the fridge. Yep. That's what they do. Yeah. They can eat like two pounds of grapes in probably about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, just one of them can do yeah, that. Yeah, just one of them. <laughs> good stuff. Well, today we're talking about admitting to your kids when we're wrong. And I posed this as a question. I said, should you admit to your kids when you're wrong? And I want to answer this right up front. And then we're going to fill in the rest of the show with some of the why and how, but, but up front, I want to go ahead and answer this. So I'll go ahead and ask you first, Rachel, what's just your, your first initial short answer to this question. Should you admit to your kids when you're, you're wrong? No, no, (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, you don't, you don't want to admit to your kids when you're wrong, when you've either done something that's hurtful or if you've made a mistake, because of course, as we know, if you admit to your kids that you're wrong, they'll know that you're not perfect. It compromises your authority with them shows them that you are in fact a fallible human being and therefore can be taken advantage of and walked all over. So, Oh my gosh, Ben. <laughs> That's, am I, you're completely wrong. Am I going in the wrong direction? Yeah, you are. You know what? I can do this. I can play the other side. Okay. Yes. Yes, you should admit to your kids when you're wrong. That's hard. Okay. Now I'm, I'm going to say this for me, the, the correct answer, my, my correct answer to this is 
Yes, absolutely. You should. Yep. And I'm not being facetious anymore. This is my real answer. Final answer. Final final answer. Yes. So Sean in the chat room says, Ben's so dry. I am. I'm very dry. So I hope I hope that you can tell the difference between when I'm joking and when I'm being serious. Seriously. I <laughs> what? Well, it just you couldn't tell that you were being sarcastic at all. That's why I had to interject in. I was like, we're gonna oh my gosh. People are gonna stop listening. Yeah. Maybe I need to just edit that whole part out. <laughs> Like, man, this guy, they turn it off before they get to the part where I say that it was a joke. Yeah. That would not be good. Should you admit to your kids when you're wrong? Yes, you should. I know that there are times when it may seem unnecessary. uh, Sometimes when it absolutely makes sense. I think a majority of people probably have a similar answer to this question. Yes. And kind of along with that, it depends. Because you don't want to just constantly be walking around apologizing. We make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. We make a lot of mistakes. But there are times when it can be very meaningful and also very beneficial for us to put our pride aside and admit to having wronged our child or having made some mistake. And, and so that's what I want to talk about with this episode. Yeah. And I just want to say real quick that this is a hard one for me um, because I've always, I mean, you're going to, you're going to laugh when I admit this, but I've always had a really hard time admitting when I'm wrong and no, you, (laughs) and when it comes to my children, sometimes I just, it's just a hard thing to do sometimes the resistance to admitting that you're wrong goes way back into our own childhoods. If we're, if we're interested in exploring that, we can see where those roots come from. Well, we're, and that's something that we're going to talk about today. There oh, is, okay. oh my goodness. It's such a, if, if you're a person who does have a hard time, even in your adult relationships, maybe even especially in your adult relationships, admitting that you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about the root of that. And it's still something that I'm personally struggling with. I think think a lot of people, even who don't have kids, will benefit from hearing what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, good. So the reason why we sometimes have trouble admitting we're wrong is we're concerned that we'll lose our... And it was kind of when I was joking, you know, earlier what I was saying, we're afraid that we're going to lose our position of authority with our child. That's, that's kind of a more selfish reason. It's like, if I admit, if I admit I'm wrong, they're not going to see me as, as much as the authority. And that's going to undermine my ability to play out that role in the relationship. One that's maybe not quite as self-centered is maybe you're afraid of compromising their sense of security that somehow admitting when you're wrong makes them feel like Oh, the whole world. You're not as in control as you should be. Yeah. And so if you're not as in control, they don't feel as secure. Yeah. So I totally understand those fears, but I think that it's a misconception. Yeah. Admitting when we're wrong demonstrates that our actions are not attached to our identity. And so I want to, I want to dive into this idea. When we make a mistake, when we wrong our child, our role as a parent is not connected to that. Yeah. We weren't, we, we didn't become parents because we were ready to. I think a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people would say, I mean, we were quote unquote ready to have children and to, to become parents but we didn't really know what we were getting into. Oh yeah. Nobody ever does. Yeah. So it's not like you get to go to school and you get a certificate or a degree in being a parent and then you're, you're given the opportunity to become a parent. It's not something that you earn. It's something that is bestowed upon you. Yeah. So when it's bestowed upon you, 
it's not something that can be influenced or influenced or affected by your actions. That role was given to you. So that's, that's the first thing I want to, I want to say about kind of that identity piece. So, and, and this plays itself out in a lot of different ways when we're talking about mistakes that we make in real life, we, we get concerned Wait, about in real life. You're saying like in uh, adult I mean, life, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not real. It, it's not real or unreal. It's just in our adult lives when we make mistakes with other people who are adults, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the deep rooted fear comes from this place of the, the fear of being cast out from community. We, we were meant to be a part of community. That's how we survive. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't truly, if it wasn't for the efforts of others, regardless of how independent you see yourself, if it weren't for the efforts of others, you wouldn't survive very long. Now, some mountain man out in the sticks could disagree with me. Maybe, maybe that person is completely self-sufficient. I don't think but they'd be listening to the podcast anyway. You're right. <laughs> you're right. They would not. So never mind. I don't have to apologize. But even, even if you consider yourself to be very self-sufficient, well, who, who produces your food? Who packages it for you? Who built the store that your food stays in and, and keeps fresh until you can go and purchase it? You know, all of, all of these different pieces that build up the infrastructure of our lives Really, if you take it down to its simplest form, it's just a community of people being supportive of one another. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that our fear of, of admitting when we're wrong comes from being afraid of being cast out of that community. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And when we, when we do something wrong and, and it hurts other people and we, and we see how our actions have affected the way that they see us, there's this fear that, oh, if they don't, if they don't like me there, they might think that I, I don't belong here and they're no longer going to allow me to be a part of this community and they'll cast me out. And I think that that's something that's just inside of us Yeah, from the time that we're really small. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I just dealt with this recently with a newspaper article that I had written and something in my notes got turned around where it listed the wrong church as the person or as the people who started this college. Yeah. And so we had to print a correction in the newspaper and I had to admit that it wasn't one of my contacts faults. It yeah. was my fault because my notes said the right thing, but somewhere in the translation between notes and story, it got turned around. And that was really, really hard for me because what I thought was that, oh my gosh, they're going to make me stop freelancing. I've been a journalist for 16 years and they're going to, you know, this is the first time I've ever made a mistake like this and it's awful. And, you know, and I remember you saying, you know, this doesn't make you a bad reporter. Everybody makes mistakes. That's right. And I, and I think that's the, I think that's the uh, identity piece is that sometimes when we make mistakes, we feel like it makes us a bad or less than perfect person. And if we're not admitting to those mistakes, then we, we continue to feel like we're a bad and less than perfect person. Because what happens when we admit our mistakes is that we allow other people to come alongside us and I, I guess restore us to who we were, we were already anyway. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's, there's uh, the word I like to think of as acceptable. So when we make a mistake or when we do something wrong, sometimes that, that makes us feel like we're unacceptable. Yeah. And if we're unacceptable, then that puts us in danger. And so, and, and that's, that's a, you know, a very core identity thing. At the higher levels, you could say something like, you know, you're a good reporter who made a mistake or whatever. But, but yes, when you, when you admit that wrong, it gives people a chance to say, oh yeah, there, you did something wrong there. There is a, a consequence for that wrong, but that doesn't mean that you're unacceptable. You're still acceptable. We still accept 
you for who you are. Yeah. And this thing that you did doesn't define you. And that's something we try to teach to our children is that their choices for one moment in time do not define who they are. So they there are never bad people. There are good people who choose to make bad decisions or right. who, you know, for one reason or another, make bad decisions. And it's that's a difficult conversation when you get down to some of the nuances. And for somebody who might be going to that place of saying, well, what about the people who are serial killers or whatever? Don't don't think in extremes. Yeah. Um, but I would I would also say that those people are good people who make bad decisions. I feel like there's always good in some in, in everyone. Yeah, I agree with that. We so, can, we can get into that some other time. Yeah, I know it's no, but, but you're right. So, so what you said is absolutely correct. We want that for our children. We want our children to feel like they are acceptable, that we love them, that they are a part of our family, that they belong to us no matter what they do. Yeah. But sometimes that is lost when we fail to express to our children when we've done something wrong, because when we express that we've done something wrong, when we apologize, we are demonstrating for them what it looks like to accept the responsibility of a mistake that we've made without it affecting our identity or our role in that relationship. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so it's, it's one thing to just tell them that, but this is a way that you can actually demonstrate what that looks like. And they don't ever turn that around and say, well, yeah, you did something wrong. And so I hate you now and you don't belong to this family. Now our kids, our kids <laughs> have said things like, I don't want you to be my daddy anymore. Or they, yeah. You know, they, they say things like that, but I know that they don't really mean those things. That's just how you know you're a good parent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you're, if your kids are telling you that you <laughs> don't belong to the family anymore, that they want a new mama or daddy, you're doing something right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> don't listen to anything I say. <laughs> but I've always been met with grace by our kids when I've come to them with a mistake that I've made or, or something that I've done wrong. Yeah. I mean, they appreciate that kind of thing. We, we do this thing called a family restart and we had let it idle for a little bit. And then we've recently picked it back up again, but we sit around our dinner table on Friday evenings and we ask the question, is there anything that we have done to hurt each other this week? And so we'll go through and, and ask them, were you hurt by someone in this family this week? Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's things that we aren't even aware of, but it opens the conversation and our kids are still young. So half of them don't even understand the question, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, but, but the older ones are starting to get this. And so they'll bring up these grievances that you and I are not even aware of that, that maybe we were too hasty with something we said or, and it's just so incredibly valuable to hear those things because we, we, we can't change anything until we know about it. There's um. well, I, I want to say this first and then I want to respond to what you just said. Cause, cause it's so good. But, but if I could sum up everything that we've just talked about with our actions are not attached to our identity or our role in the oh, child's yeah, I'm life. I'm sorry, I kind of no, 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 no. got ahead. No, that's okay. You're fine. When we apologize to our kids, it strengthens the relationship. Yeah. And the relationship is the foundation for our authority in their lives. It's the foundation of our role. The relationship is. And so what you, what, whatever you can do to strengthen that relationship is going to support and uphold the position that you have with them. And so to what you said, another way that you strengthen that relationship is by keeping those lines of communication open. So like you said, right now, some of them are young and they don't understand. Some of them are a little bit older and it's kind of a, a funny, fun thing for them to be able to do to say, oh, I get to yeah. you know, dish on mama yeah. and daddy. <laughs> But really what you're teaching them is that there's always room for the conversation, that you're not afraid of hearing what they have to say. Yeah. And, and if I'm being honest, there are some people that I've experienced in life, some people with whom I've had relationships 
that I've been afraid to go to them with my hurts. Yeah. Because I don't think that they would receive it well. And so what a gift to give to your children to show them consistently that they don't have to be afraid to come to you when they feel that they've been hurt because you want to know that sometimes, sometimes we hurt people and we don't even realize it. Yeah. And then sometimes because the other question we ask is, was there any way that we hurt someone else in our family? Because sometimes we don't notice the intentions of others and it, you know, it just, it helps the person who was doing something with the wrong intention take responsibility for that also. Yeah. Without having someone else bring it to their attention, you know, like they're, they're taking responsibility themselves because they're saying, you know what, when I took this, when I built this building out of Legos and took those pieces off of my brother's thing, I was doing it because I was being selfish. And I'm sorry that I hurt you that way. Even if, even if the brother was not really hurt and didn't really care about it, you know, it's, it's helping them see from another's point of view, which is, which is hugely valuable. Yeah. The, the building of empathy. Yes. So we're not just talking about when we've wronged or hurt somebody else, but, but I think another place where we can really benefit our children is the way that we talk about the mistakes that we've made. Uh, just in, in life, things, choices that we've made that maybe led to some kind of a failure or some kind of a unintended outcome. And I think a lot of times as adults, and, and I understand the reasoning behind this, but we, we want to protect and shield our children from some of the more complicated pieces of life. One, because they can't really understand all of the complexity. Yeah. But two, because we don't want for them to feel worried and, 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 and scared or feel insecure. So this is kind of a, in, in my mind, a more difficult part because I'm dealing with my own emotions about the places where I might be experiencing failure or the places where things didn't turn out uh, or are not going the way that I expected or wanted them to go. Yeah. But if I can work through those emotions and I find myself in a place where my identity is not attached to those mistakes, where I I feel confident and calm and peaceful and in otherwise, well, and, and maybe, maybe not, maybe you haven't worked all the way through it, but, but I think there's great value in talking to your kids about those situations using language they can understand yeah, in a way that shows them that mistakes and failure are a part of life. They're not something to be avoided and they're not something failure. This is a, this is probably a big thing for me. Failure is not something to fear because if you feel if you fear failure, you're more likely not to move in a direction because you don't want to fail. Mm -hmm. But if you're not afraid of failure, if you know that your identity is not attached to that, if you know that even when you fail, it's an opportunity to learn and to keep going. And you can demonstrate that for your kids by sharing those things with them. It's really going to set them up for a better relationship with failure. It's going to, it's going to keep them from having that experience of feeling paralyzed or frozen, afraid to move forward because they don't want to fail. Well, failure in the way that you're talking about it too, is also an opportunity for us to feel loved. It's an opportunity to allow other people to love on us because of that. Because when, when we admit our wrongs to our kids and when we ask for their forgiveness what that allows them to do is to practice the art of forgiveness and to practice the art of loving someone who has hurt them. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to love somebody who hurts you. But, but if you think about what that's teaching them for later on in their lives, because the hurts that we do now when they're young are nothing compared to the hurts that they're going to have when they're in, in high school or when they're adults and so the more that we can practice at that, I feel like it's just so much more valuable. When we're, when we're talking about admitting our mistakes and kind of how that's 
tied to our identity. Another thing that I really, this is, this is more a benefit for us than it is for them. But one of the things I love about children is how much or how little they care about what success or how success is defined in the real world. And, and by that, I mean, you know, if I, if I tell my child, yeah, I'm, I made a mistake at work, an accounting error or something like that. And I ended up getting fired or something like that, whatever it is, they care so little about what outside success looks like, partly because they don't understand how it affects them, but, but also because they just, they don't really care about those things. They, they care more about your relationship with them and who you are to them. And so you're met with something like, oh, it's okay. You're still, you're still a good daddy and I love you. And, and I would say that that is a truer representation of who you are in that situation than what anybody else might be telling you in your life. Yeah. When you experience massive failure and you're, you're met with something so affirming, like what your child tells you, who, who you are to them, regardless of that situation. Yeah. That's the truth that you should hold on to because, because to me, in my mind, that is more real than the voices in your head, the voices in your culture, the voices from your peers, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, this might be a topic for another day, but I just wanted to say also that for me, part of admitting when I'm wrong has been telling our kids stories about things that I got in trouble for when I was a kid and, you know, ways that like the time that I got in, in school suspension when I was in high school, even though I was a good kid, you know, telling them some of those stories about the things that I did wrong has been highly valuable yeah. to them because when a kid gets in trouble, they feel like it's the end of the world. They feel like they're the worst person ever sometimes. Um, and that's how it was with our eight-year-old when he was he was having a few problems at school this year. And he would come home and just say, I'm such a bad person. And it broke my heart to hear that because I thought he he had somehow internalized that what he was doing was who he was. Yeah. And so I was able to use the stories of the things that I had done wrong. It wasn't it wasn't actually saying, you know, sorry or admitting my wrong or whatever. I mean, I did admit my wrong. Well, yeah, it's, in it, those it's, admitting, it's admitting a mistake that you'd made. Right. But it, it helps them feel less alone and it helps them realize that these things that we went through, we got over, we woke up the next day and we went on with our lives. You know, it's not the end of the world when something, when, when they choose to act outside of who they are. Yeah. So think, think about it this way. It's, it's kind of like storytelling, you know, I'd, and I'd like to say it this way too, because I see, I see Alice's comment in the chat where yes. she, she says, the more we say sorry, the less it means. I want us to think about saying sorry as telling a story. So, and, and we're going to get into this um, when we talk about the how. I have this idea of kind of a script. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've done um, that with our kids. So, but this, the story is once upon a time, daddy felt angry because this happened. And, and you kind of, I don't know, I, that seems kind of silly, but that takes it away from this sort of knee jerk response of, oh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Yeah. And, and instead of letting it be this kind of meaningless thing, when we tell a story, a story does have a meaning. It has a purpose. It has a direction. And so to whatever degree that story can really be useful in helping the child see themselves uh, in the story that you're telling so like you said, when you admit to mistakes that you've made when you're a kid, but even, even if you go and you talk about some of the shenanigans you pulled as a kid, yeah. so it's not necessarily mistakes or things you regret, but it's even just funny stories about things that you did that drove your mom or dad crazy. Oh yeah. And, I mean, I used to hang off the bunk bed and yeah, I, and, I tried to swing on the fan, of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they, they get to see themselves in that story. And hopefully they also see that you're okay after, after those things that the, the people who were in charge of you in those moments still love you and care about you. Yeah. And, 
and, and they're able to make that connection and, and feel like, okay, who I, who I am is acceptable regardless of what I do. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the, the scripting and there's been, I, I think I know how you feel about this, but I'm going to throw a little bit of a twist in there, but, hmm. but there's, there's kind of this backlash against telling kids when they've done something wrong when you see them hurt their brother or sister saying, Oh, you need to say you're sorry. Yeah. I don't like doing that. Okay. Is that what you were talking about? You know what I would say about that? Yeah. So I'm a little bit on the fence. So while, while I see that just telling them to do that when they don't really mean it, Mm -hmm. uh, because you want them, you don't want them just to say it. You do want them to mean it. Yeah. But, but what if they never say it? Well, okay. When we prompt our children to apologize and we give them language with which to apologize, it helps them build a framework for how an apology works. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I I guess it's kind of like learning a language. You don't really fully understand what the words mean or the, or a combination of words mean when you're being taught a language, but over time you build this framework and then yeah, the words have context. Yeah. Understanding starts to fill in. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that it's really valuable, especially before our kids start to, before our kids are even capable of being empathetic toward another person, understanding other people's feelings, giving them language, giving them a script that they can work off of to express an apology. And I know people are hearing the word script and and they're cringing a little bit (laughs) because you, you don't want it to just be a meaningless act. But part of the way that we demonstrate how to apologize, if we can use this script and we can show them, this is the structure of an apology and we mean it and we can, and we can use the kind of language that not only expresses an apology, but also expresses understanding in the way our actions have influenced their feelings. We can use that to help them develop the empathy that will fill in the meaning behind those apologies later on in life. Yeah. So here's the script. You ready? Yeah. I think, I think you know how it goes and you can maybe correct me if I'm wrong. But this is, this is how I say it. When I'm going to apologize, I will say, I felt blank, probably angry. Mm-hmm. I felt angry when you blank threw your shoe at my face. <laughs> I felt angry when you threw your shoe at my face. That's why I yelled at you. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a healthy way to tell you about my feelings. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's it. It's pretty simple. But, but I really like the precision of that language because for one, uh, at the very beginning here, when I say I felt angry, Mm -hmm. that's not saying you made me feel angry. Right. Because we take responsibility for our actions. Yeah. I, I felt my feelings Mm -hmm. while, while your actions did bring about this emotional response. I'm the one who feels my feelings. I'm the one that's responsible for them. You're not in control of how I express my feelings. So I felt angry and I felt angry when you did this thing. And so you are showing them that their actions do and can have an influence on the emotions of others. Yeah. And I think that's important because as in a perfect world, we would all be in control of our emotions and we would express them in a healthy way and we wouldn't hurt each other in the first place. But if we did, it would, people, it would just bounce right off. But that's not how the world works. The things that you do can influence the emotions of others. Yeah. And so it's important to know that it's important 
to understand that if we're trying to live in harmony with others. And I just, I want to tell a story here. It was a couple of days ago when I came downstairs and the, you know, the house was untidy because we've been kind of drowning a little bit with my broken foot and all of that. Yeah. And it was the end of school and they send all these, just a huge number of papers home and we just can't get all the papers together. And so I was kind of walking around grouchy and snapping at the boys, not necessarily yelling, but I just wasn't speaking in an honoring way. And the six-year-old Asa turned to me and he said, mama, I like it when your hair's down because that's when you're nice. But when you have it pulled back in a ponytail, you're really mean. And it just got me thinking that, you know, this is something that I need to come to them and say, you know, I'm really, really sorry, but mama, just, I, I just, I feel really stressed out. And when I feel stressed out, it makes me, you know, I, I feel like I need to try to get everything under control. And when I can't get everything under control, I feel like I need to yell and all of those things. And so it, but it was it was something where it took them saying something and then it was it took a little more time for me to live with that and then be able to come to them. So I think for some people, this is why I just want to explain a little bit about why I don't when I'm on duty with our kids, I don't make them immediately apologize because I feel like sometimes we need to sit with that and know how it makes other people feel. Mm-hmm. And then we can genuinely make our apology because uh, someone mentioned in the chat that the more we say we're sorry, the less it means. And part of apologizing for me is knowing that I am going to try to do better. And that doesn't always mean that I will do better, but I'm at least trying to do better. And when we're making, when, when we make our kids apologize in the moment, there's no, there's no time for them to internalize that and for them to decide to do better next time. Because it, it's something that we're imposing on them. Yeah, I I do agree with that in part, but but I also think that they're depending on their age and and their ability to understand those things. So I guess I guess I'm talking when I'm talking about imposing that on them and not really concerning yourself with the meaning. I'm talking about really young before they before they can even understand the feelings and emotions of others. But certainly as they get older and they start to understand that more, I, I do agree with that. Letting them live with the influence they've had on the emotions of another person for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as a, as adults, it doesn't take us very long at all to see when we've broken somebody's spirit. Yeah. Or we've done something that just crushes our child. And, but maybe it's a good thing for us too to, to pause and to calm down, to get a little bit of space. Sometimes I need that if I'm going to genuinely apologize and not just run through a script. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm not going to be defensive and, and see, that's another thing. Sometimes people do those fake apologies, right? Where it's, it's like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry (laughs) that you're upset. We've done this in our arguments sometimes. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry that you're so upset, but if you hadn't been doing such and such, I wouldn't have had to yell. Yeah. That's not really an apology. Or, or sometimes when you and I are arguing, you're like, well, I just want to hear you say you're sorry. And I'm like, well, sorry. Does it mean much? Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I don't want to tell. Yeah. It's, yeah. We make it so complicated, don't we? Yeah, we we do. But two things are happening there. One, you, you still aren't taking responsibility for your own feelings, your own emotions. You're not taking responsibility for the, for your own actions. Um, and you're still trying to protect your position in the relationship. If, because admitting that you were wrong, even if something that they did, any reasonable person would have yelled the way that you did, but, but it still doesn't, it doesn't affect your position in the relationship. Yeah. You were no less mother or father because you yelled or because, or even because you spanked or whatever. You still maintain that position because that was bestowed upon you. And, and that's, that's a lesson that needs to translate for your children too. They, 
They need to know that their position with you, their security doesn't depend on whether or not they've done something wrong. That's what will allow them to take on the humility and to genuinely apologize and take responsibility for their actions to do better because they know that their actions don't influence their standing with you. Yeah. And if if all kids ever see is a parent who never apologizes or never admits that they've done something wrong or who tries to make out this persona that's just perfect, they they will never learn the value of that. They'll have trouble as adults admitting those things. And I feel like it's just a valuable thing for us to be able to admit to our kids yeah. when we're wrong. And how empowering is that for them if, you know, we're having an argument about something and they're actually right? You know, you think about when you're having an argument with me and... And, I'm, and, I'm and right. you're right. And how empowering is that for the other person? You know, not so you can hold it over them, but just, you know. So so you're saying like when when you and I are having an argument and I'm actually right. Yeah, and, it's and probably about arguing, like and, and you're saying and your, your question is the time. how empowering how empowering is it when you admit that I'm actually right? I don't know if I ever actually admit that you're right. I was going to say, I don't know what that's. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Even if you really are, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I wouldn't know what that's like. Oh, so anyways, (laughs) (laughs) I love you. So, and, and this is kind of the final piece of that language that we use to express our apology. It says that emotions are okay. There's nothing wrong with feeling angry or sad or upset or frustrated or overwhelmed or stressed out those feelings are not wrong but but sometimes the way that we express them are not very healthy and so and that's kind of like what we were talking about in the previous episode and the emotions are not unacceptable right it's what we do because of them that can sometimes be unacceptable yeah so that that's an important uh, there there are so many people walking around who stuff their feelings who don't allow themselves to feel their feelings because they're afraid of having some wrong expression or that it's going to make them unacceptable. And, and I, I can't underscore the importance of this, not just for our kids, but for ourselves that emotions are okay and you should feel them and you should express them and you should grow in your ability to express your feelings in healthy ways and to Mm -hmm. work through them. But, but don't suppress them. Yeah. So that's, that's about all I have on this one. Yeah. Uh, to sum it up, our actions are not who we are. Our position in the relationship isn't threatened when we do something wrong, but it, it's actually strengthened when we admit to that wrong in favor of stronger a stronger relationship and stronger communication. Mm -hmm. Our mistakes, our failures, they're learning opportunities for us and for our children. Even before our children understand the feelings of others can understand empathy. We can help, help them build a framework for, for expressing apology for understanding emotions that they can use as they grow and develop and as they grow in their understanding of those things. And then using that script, using that language, not, not just to help our children express their apology, but, but even our own wrong wrongdoings, we can teach our children about how their emotions and how their actions influence others and how to take responsibility with and be okay with their own emotions. Mm -hmm. I just want to say real quick that the script is not really a script per se. I mean, it becomes the way that you handle talking about what you've done wrong, but it's not like you're acting, you know, when you, when you think of a script, you're thinking about acting and acting out. That's not the purpose of it. Yeah. The purpose is to change your language around that. And whatever that looks like for you is, is what that quote unquote script is. I I guess the reason I like that word is because it denotes intentionality. And so when I think about 
the fact that mistakes and I'm going to experience that over and over again. I'm, I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to have several opportunities and I would rather be intentional about the precision of the language that I use to express that so that it's not just an off the cuff and maybe inaccurate representation of how I really feel about the situation and what I really want to convey. The, the idea of the script is not so that you don't have to think about what you're saying. It really is so that you can think and be very intentional about what it is you're saying and what you really mean. Yeah, I agree. That's why I'm saying it, it becomes second nature. Like you put it into your own language. Language. Yeah. All right. <laughs> language. You're, you're right, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm get, That's a soundbite right there. Yeah. We only have one other soundbite. Responsibility. And now we have two. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to make that my ringtone. Anytime somebody calls me, it's just, it's going to be your voice saying you're right, Ben, over and over again. Oh, okay. I'm going to put it on the loop and put it on my phone and wear it in my headphones while I fall asleep at night. Yeah. Okay. That's healthy, isn't it? Sounds maybe not. No. <laughs> Rachel, where can people go to find us online? They can go to intheboatwithben.com. That's right. Mm -hmm. We we have all of our episodes there. You can read show notes for the show. If you if you don't have or you're not in a place where you can listen, uh, you can always go to intheboatwithben.com and you can read outlines, not just outlines, but but full written transcripts mm -hmm. of the show with timestamps and everything. It's, it's great. You can also sign up for the newsletter there. And, uh, I want to talk about a way that you can help out the show. If you're really enjoying this and you're getting value out of it, we've, uh, you've heard during this episode and maybe in others that we interact with people in the, the chat room through the Sean West community. If you go to seanwest.com slash community, you can sign up to be a part of this online community filled with people who think the way that we do, who are focusing on the values of our family relationships. And not only, I mean, Rachel and I do a lot of our own research and reading, but the conversations that we have with the people in this community enrich our own experience. And I want that for you. And that also helps make this show possible. So definitely go to seanwest.com slash community. Check that out. If you want to find Rachel, she's at racheltolson.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. All right. I think we're done here. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Is it too late to add something real quick? No, it's not. Okay. So I just, I wanted to add this real quick because uh, this month we're going back through our family values and the one that we chose two years ago for June is we listen earnestly always. And so we've started incorporating this technique when we're angry at each other or when we've done something wrong and somebody's admitting a mistake where we try to get three yeses is what it's called. And so what, what that means is that the person who is expressing their feelings is expressing their feelings, telling us why they're angry and how that makes them, how it makes them feel when we do certain things. And the person who is listening to that has to repeat it back to get three yeses from the person who is sharing his grievance. 
And this has been, we, we've been practicing it since the first of June. And it's just, it's been a really cool thing to see that the kids, even as young as they are, can still listen. I think our six-year-old got four yeses the other day from something that we were telling him about. And it's just, it's a really valuable way to uh, engage with apology and yeah. that kind of thing. What was funny to me was that we were ex- trying to explain this to the kids, how it worked. Mm-hmm. And and then we said, well, let's give you an example. And so I I actually told you about something that I was really feeling. Yeah, was really, yeah. I, and so it an argument that we had had earlier. Yeah, right? I didn't yeah. just make it up. It wasn't something that we had resolved yet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, and we, so I took advantage of the situation. Yeah. And I'm like, well, Rachel has to. Yeah. Now I ha- now she has to get three yeses. So so I told you how I felt, and and because of the situation, because we were trying to uh, teach our children, you know, a lesson about how to under hear and understand other people's feelings. Yeah you were kind of forced to empathize with my feelings and ask those questions. Right. Because otherwise you wouldn't have done it. Yes, I would have. It would have been much later, but yeah, like after kids were in bed, but, but it's, it's funny. Like it was, it just kind of, I was trying to think of an example and I was like, no, I have this real thing and it just kind of came out of me. Yeah. Um, but I felt so much better. Yeah. After you, you basically, read my mind and you were able to articulate exactly what I was feeling and why. And I, and I was, it was surprising. I was like, Oh, she does understand. Yeah. So that was, that was fun. Yeah. It's a good, valuable thing to have in, you know, conflict and when you need to apologize and those things. Yeah. So that's a little bonus tip. The the three yeses. Mm Mm-hmm. Three yeses. If you get three, it's hard to get three yeses mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes the most that I can do is like two. So I think we you have to work it out to where you get some kind of prize if you get three yeses. <laughs> you get a prize. 